welcome to The Family Business. I'm your host, Shannon. I'm Donna. And I'm Kaz. I'm Zeke. And this week we are going to be discussing episode three entitled In the Beginning. And this, as Donna kind of pointed out to us in a message before we started the recording, this is pretty much the the episode of the season. It sets up everything for the rest of this season and also season five as well. With this, we get to see Sam is continuing to sneak out obviously to meet Ruby. Dean is having nightmares from which he gets awakened by Castiel. And Castiel says that you have to stop it and then sends Dean back in time to April 30th, 1973. Before he says that, he wakes Dean up with a very wiry, what were you dreaming about? Yes. And Cat snows something's up. He's kind of skating that creepy line. He's, yeah. He's, yeah. He's on the creepy line with that, what are you Angels are pretty freaking weird, guys. Yeah. Well, and as I was watching it, I was, obviously I've seen up to the most recent season, and I'm like, I forgot Castiel starts out this way. Yeah. Castiel, he, yeah, he's the creepy, weird, you don't know what to make of him, you don't know what to think. He does the super, hey, here I am, as you're driving in the middle of nowhere, and I wasn't there before, and now I'm gone again because fuck you, why not? From the point of view of somebody who has seen the entire series to go back and rewatch early cast, it is very interesting, and it is very different and almost kind of disturbing. In this episode in particular, though, what they have set up with him with that really kind of odd behavior is when he says you have to stop it, it makes complete sense that he's not explaining it. Right. And he lets Dean think that he's talking about stopping something in the past. Right. And that's not what he's talking about at all. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Spoilers, he's talking about stopping Sam. So it works. With this episode, too, since I said we do get the back in time, we get to meet Mary and John mm-hmm. whenever they were younger. Both of those two individuals are some of the hottest individuals Kansas can produce. Well, I will say that you're it, it not makes, wrong. It makes entire sense that both Dean and Sam came from these two beautiful people. From those boys. <laughs> there's, there's a shot with the two of them in the diner, which I mm, loved the yeah. callback to Back to the Future, but there's a point, yes. there's a point where the two of them are in the diner and there's kind of a shot of John's eyes when you're just kind of like, Oh, yes, this follows. Yeah. Because they all have beautiful, beautiful eyes. The greatest revelation that we get from this, of course, is that Mary's a hunter. And John is Nobody knew that. And if John knew it, he never told the kids. Mm -hmm. Man, I don't know. I wonder if he ever did know it. I mean, from the sense that I get, the Campbells were pretty big in the area. So whenever eventually John starts hunting after Mary's killed 10 years later from this point, mm-hmm. he's doing the hunter roundup show sort of thing. Does that, does he run into the fact that there might be other Campbells out there that know Mary, knew Mary? Well, I, I think it might be something more like maybe he found Mary's journal. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> 
That would be interesting. He, he found her journal and was using it, and then he was like, this is a good idea. I should make one of these. Right? Uh-huh. I like it. Or he found her bracelet. We found a bracelet, yeah. Oh, well, there's some weird symbols you've got on your bracelet, Mary. Oh. Well, I would say that with Mary, with what we saw in this episode, she, to me, didn't strike me as the the journaling kind of person, not only as a woman, but as a hunter, too, True. because she pretty much didn't want to be in the hunting lifestyle. She right. wanted to be out of it, and that's what, you know, she was getting that was part of why she was getting with John is because John was going to take her away from it. Yes, she loved him and you could tell very much so that she loved him and that he loved her, but she was using John as her ticket to get the fuck out of that situation. There's also an interesting little paradoxical moment in this episode. So in the very end of season one, whenever the car is wrecked, and that next couple of episodes in season two, whenever Dean's rebuilding it and whatnot, you get the sense that this is this is important to the family. Right. This is important to Dean, obviously because he calls it baby. Right. But not just because of the fact that it was John's car, but it was their home. Mm-hmm. And then in this episode, John would have never bought the car if it wasn't for Dean. I don't know if you want to look at it in a weird sort of abstract cosmic thing. This car is, from a cosmic perspective, kind mm-hmm. of really fucking important. Right. Because it shouldn't exist. Well, and two, you get the, the mindfuck of effect and cause. Yeah. Because Dean is, according to this episode, the one who sets in motion pretty much everything that comes about that leads to him and Sam becoming hunters. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's... I, I don't that, I don't think that they really address that that much, but Dean is the impetus for everything. Cass says destiny cannot be changed. I think that's actually kind of a thesis statement we're making right there. Right. Going forward all the way into season five, destiny yeah. cannot be changed. Yeah. And so Dean didn't change. So maybe maybe Dean was always back there. Yeah, yeah well, that, and that's what I was going with with the effect and cause yeah. is that he is the one. Well, that's, that's, where, that's where the weird paradoxical moments come in because, you know, this this moment happened linear in time. This moment happened in 1973 where Dean, you know, was there in the mix, but in a weird sort of way, he couldn't have been in the mix if John and Mary didn't get together and didn't have the situation happen like it did. And right. then so that he could have grown up to be like this, to be in this moment. So Cass can send him back to 1973. <gasps> I hate discussing time <laughs> because of this very thing. Well, and that's why, like, especially with Austin Powers, you know, he's like, <laughs> don't even worry about all of this. Don't think about right. it. Just enjoy the show. Right. But you um, also get this, uh, like, you get this sense and I love the fact that and I'm curious to hear what you have to say about this later in this episode but that the the traditional dichotomy that you have up to this moment was you thought John was the hunter John was the guy that was all about mm-hmm. this stuff right turns out Mary is and whenever it come push comes to shove she seems like she knows what the hell she's doing yeah. she's competent what I also liked was the fact that up until all this time we have had Dean just in Sam's face about this is a family business, this is what we do, yes. we're hunters, our dad was a hunter, this is the family thing. But the mom, Mary, was like, no, we're out. <laughs> she had that, the sort of opposites in the parents that you had in the children as well. I love Dean's reaction when she was saying, I can't think of anything worse than my children yes. growing up this way. Yes. yes. Yeah, I was just yeah. like, oh. <laughs> Well, Dean was too. I mean, he was choked that's up that's about that, it. That, that was yeah. actually another uh, Back to the Future moment where, you know, he's like, on November 2nd, 1983, just don't get out of bed. No matter what happens, mm-hmm. just don't get out of bed. Couldn't even, 
legitimately said that night, though, because is she going to wake up in the morning and just <laughs> stay in bed all day? Well, if I she mean, stays in bed all day, at least she won't be, like, you know, serious walking stranger. in on a Zazel. You so. <laughs> told me not to get out of bed, so it's comfy. <laughs> <laughs> And kind of need to pee, but Sam I mean, dies in his crib from malnutrition. <laughs> I mean, it's only a day. He can be okay. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. It's only a day. Depending on how, many, how much I mean, baby fat he's stored up. Demon blood's very nutritious. It would just restock him right back up. <laughs> There's this moment where uh, Mitch Pelegi, 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 plays uh, Samuel Campbell. Where he's revealed to to be embodied by Azazel, and there's this moment whenever he stabs himself and he gives Dean this wink, and this moment, this wink. If you look at the, I can't remember the actor's name, but the guy who plays Azazel mm-hmm. f- from the embodiment that we right. have known, man, it is just so spot on, and I love these moments where these actors nail these like, mannerisms. Well, and he had that. Thin lip smile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that you see it as well in this episode with whoever the yellow eyed demon is writing whenever they meet Liddy, a Whitmore, Whitshire, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Whenever they meet him and he Walsh. has he has that, there's these same sort of mannerisms mm-hmm. and these same sort of like ticks and beats. Yeah. Right. I just love moments like that. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah. I agree completely. That is definitely one thing that I think Supernatural does well. And I know that there are some who disagree and those people are wrong. But a lot of all of the characters, you know, if they're dying or if they're jumping from body to body or whatever the case may be, being re- resurrected, the actors do have to take on those different personas. Mm-hmm. And I think that all of them nail it really yeah. well yeah. with how they have to do that. All of them. <laughs> Someone who will remain nameless if I have anything to do with it does not think it's Kaz, isn't it? Jared no. Padalecki. No, they're, they're not no. in this room. Jared Padalecki is a good actor. They were in this room recently. Let's put it that way. Uh, well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, we have an entire episode of, of, of me calling this person out. Just go listen to season one or two. So, the, yeah. the thing is, is I haven't ever seen him do anything else. We were discussing specifically the moment that Meg possessed Sam. Mm. And how he was even managing to get her vocal mannerisms. Right. That kind of really slow, almost slurred way she had of talking. And he was he was mimicking that really well. And the person in question, who shall at least this time remain nameless, uh, feels that Jared just is basically Jared, no matter who he is okay. trying to portray. So, yeah. Anyway, all right. So, segue ended. So, the other thing where Castiel is concerned is the very powerful scene, like I said earlier, whenever he just kind of pops into the car as Dean's driving, because Dean is on his way to hopefully kill Azazel, and Castiel says, you do realize that if you succeed, you don't become hunters, and all of the people that you saved will die. And Dean's like, pretty much, yep, but that's something I can live with because I'll save my family. And so I just, I thought that that was a really very powerful thing because obviously, as you guys were talking before, it's about family, the family business, all of that. And pretty much every episode of Supernatural, it has some connection to family. And so I definitely do not think that it was out of character for Dean to be like, nope, family's fine with me. It was 100% in character because Dean is family, 100% family loyalty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sam 
and Deanna. <laughs> you mean Samuel and Deanna? Samuel and Deanna. And I clearly Mary was the one who named these kids. And I just I just yeah. have to wonder if Dean had any concerns at all over the fact that he was named after his grandmother. Honestly, he may have initially, which obviously we didn't get to see that. Mm-hmm. But I think after she, you know, was willing to sacrifice herself to try to kill the mm-hmm. LOI demon and everything, I, I'm pretty sure he was A-OK with the fact that he yep. was named for his grandmother instead of his grandfather. Mm-hmm. So She proved herself, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely so. so. And I'm sure you'll probably touch on that a little bit after our break with sure. the, the female aspect of it. But yeah, I, I think that... I think he would have been proud mm-hmm. to be we, named uh, after her. We also see uh, the cult. The cult. Again. Yes, the cult does make an appearance. Yeah, and that that gave me some that gave me some warm fuzzies because as an amateur gun enthusiast, that pistol is some beautiful workmanship, yeah. craftsmanship, mm-hmm. and especially with just the pulp culture surrounding you know where cult was whenever it was built, the kind of lore that has been built up with Supernatural. I loved that Azazel recognized it. Yes. I mean, there, there was no... Idiot. Hey, this, yeah. is, this is the cult that can tell you it was, where did you get that gun? Yeah. Right. All right, guys. Well, at this time, we are going to go ahead and take a break. We would really appreciate it if you would go visit us on iTunes or Google Play and give us a rating, a review, and a subscribe. That really helps us out and makes it easier for other people to find us. And after you've done that, you can interact with us on social media. We would love to chat with you. On Twitter, you can find us at TFB underscore SPN Fancast. On Instagram, you can find us at the Family Business underscore SPN Fancast. And we're also on Facebook at Snarkcasts. And you can check out all of our sister podcasts and other cool stuff can be found at GumbyCatNetworks.com. Once more with feeling, the 20th anniversary Buffyverse fancast, Collective Snark, and Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. All right, well, Donna, do you want to go ahead and discuss the female aspect of this episode? I know we started touching on it already, but if you want to... Well, we already knew that Mary was a good character. I mean, yeah, we, we have We have had op- some opportunities to get to know Mary. This episode shows us that Mary is, is badass. Mary is competent. She is... And Dean, I think also in the next episode, describes her as smart and funny. You know, she's, she's a good character, but she comes from Deanna... And, of course, Samuel. I don't want to discount Samuel's part in this whole thing. But, you know, Deanna, who, like you said, uh, sacrificed herself to try and stop the demon. Right. By the way, Samuel was pretty much a curmudgeon, and she didn't put up with any of it. Yes. She was like, no, I'm inviting him to dinner. Yeah. And, yeah. You know? <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I, I very much like the representation yeah. of women in this episode. Kind of a segue off of talking about women and talking into Mary if you remember in the first episode, I pointed out that it was weird that Mary did not react to the signs that something supernatural was happening in right. the house. And now, uh, now we kind of get a reason why. Or, like, I feel, I feel like maybe she just knew. Maybe. I, I think it was more just like the, she's not a civilian, you know? She's, she's been in war zones or in supernatural war zones, so I yeah. think it was a little bit more like, oh, jeez, okay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes as a hunter, you run into things that are a little beyond your skill to... To, to fight, as we saw with, what was it, the, the Seven Deadly Sins episode? Yeah. yeah. The those, Magnificent those, Seven. Yeah, where those two hunters went in, and uh, and I thought, hunters don't always win. Yeah. You know? I also went back and watched the first few minutes of the pilot episode to see what we actually did see when that happened. 
And I was struck by the fact that in that pilot episode, Mary does not look at him and say, it's you. That doesn't happen. Right. What does happen is the camera cuts away from her almost as soon as she walks in the room. Right. So basically it cuts away from her before she would have said that. Not necessarily a continuity problem. Well, and here's the thing. Speaking from a real-world point of view, if you were to come to me and say, okay, on November 2nd, 2033, don't get out of bed. I'm not going to remember that shit 10 years later. I mean, it's just, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Unless I've got a reminder set on my phone that goes from one iteration of my phone to the next, to the next, to the next. Oh, well, you have I'm not going to remember. Right. <laughs> But I'm not going to remember that. I'm not going to remember it. So it fully stands up that Mary is not going to be thinking, oh, shit, it's November 2nd, 1983. I shouldn't get out of bed. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it fully stands to reason that well, some, she's still going to go in there. It's, it's one of those things that clearly family is an important thing to her, mm -hmm. given the, the upbringing that she's had. So I, I, I see it more of uh, maybe that voice, Dean's voice might have rung in the back of her head. But she still knew it was coming. Maybe it wasn't so much that she knew that she could do anything about it, but by God, she was going to be there for it to happen. Because I think that's just the kind of person that she was. Yeah. It, that's true. She also had significant trauma occur almost immediately after he said that to her. Right. So it follows that she wouldn't yeah. remember. Yeah, I mean, whenever you see your fiancé's neck get snapped right in mm -hmm. front of you, you know, by your, at the time you're thinking, father, right? that will, that'll kind of fuck you up for yeah. some reason, you know? He drags your boyfriend out. He's no good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, going along with the, the Back to the Future theme, we get the really super creepy kiss between Samuel and Mary. Ugh, and the entire time. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know, obviously, number one, these are all actors. It's a TV show. I get all of that. But still, even whenever we realize that it's Azazel and he's talking about Mary and he's doing it, I'm just like, There's a creep I there. just want to puke right now. This is really just... Well, disturbing was, and gross. It was uncomfortable when Dean fought Mary off and had her shoved up against the wall. Right. I was like, oh, that's... Mm, yeah. Well, that's I not mean, okay. Uh, well, I mean, he even calls himself out. On yeah. It's like, Sam, I don't know where you are right, right now, but man, mom's a babe, and I'm going to hell. Again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they definitely kept the homage going, but they amped up the, the creep factor mm -hmm. a couple of different times in this yeah. episode. It was when you thought Azazel couldn't get any worse. Yes. Yeah. And they were like, oh, you thought you knew. Right. <laughs> but the funny thing is, is, you know, kind of thinking of a, a D and D alignment mentality here, oh Azazel is very much lawful evil. Yeah. Because he's like, hey, as long as I don't get interrupted, nobody's going to get hurt. We've got our deal. I don't care about your soul. I just want to be able to go in and put a few drops of blood in the kid's mouth and hey, I'm out of there. That's all he wanted. And he, you know, obviously we don't get to see beyond Sam that, you know, he kept his word, but we do know that other mothers did die, but... And other times, it was because they did go into the nursery or wherever the baby was, and they interrupted what he was doing. So, right. so he's very much a lawful yep. evil demon. Keeps to his code. Yep, his sick code. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, also, there's this moment where you know he's got Dean. You know, his Hazel's. Uh, is riding Samuel, and he's got Dean tied up. He asks Dean, "Are you one of my psychic kids?" Of course, Dean does his best to try to try to weasel out, you know, what what he can. Doesn't get very far, mm -hmm. much further than he already knows. 
But that cloud kind of brewing again about, you know, Sam. What what was Zazel's plans? Right. Well, and he uh, he fully goes up to, like, right up to, hey, I've got an end game. Yeah. But I'm not going to tell you what the fuck it is. And it's such a big secret that not even the angels know what the end game is. Mm -hmm. And we do find out from Castiel that the reason why he sent Dean into the past was, number one, to let him realize, hey, you can't change destiny. And number two... To be like, okay, now you know everything that angels just do not know that so, he, why he set it into place, this whole plan with the psychic kids. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to find out what exactly that end game is. Which was also a really important moment that Cass admitted that. Mm-hmm. Because up until this point, from a from the viewer standpoint, it seems like the angels have been kind of aware of almost everything. Like that's how that was the feeling I kind of got. And so it was kind of interesting to see like, no, they no, they don't. They are not. Nope. They are they they are surely not omnipotent. They are yeah. they are blinded by their own light. Yeah. yeah. Well and it brings up the question of okay, so does God know what the end game is and he's just not telling them? Or does God not know what the end game is either? Well, Cass was saying something about mysterious something or other, but Dean interrupted him, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I, I, I think I'm right there with, uh, with Dean at this point, because I think, I can't remember, I think it was here really recently, like this last episode, where Dean pretty much flat out, he calls out, he's like, I don't even know if God's up there. Right. And I kind of, I kind of get that sense, even from an angel standpoint. Standpoint, like these guys have their orders. They're soldiers, or at least Cass, right, clearly is a soldier, right, mm-hmm. who have who has a set of orders, and they are carrying out those orders. Who the fuck knows where those orders are coming from? And one assumes that it's from God. I would say that Castiel assumes that even that if it's coming. not directly right. from God, then it is from God. So, but yeah, that's yep. you're right. We we and pretty much we assume the angels don't know where those are coming from. And the and the Bible is filled with you know trials and tribulations and all those sorts of things. So it's not out of the realm of uh, possibility that God is having you know the world suffer. For a reason, mm-hmm. for some greater purpose. So check out the book of Job that's in there, <laughs> or don't. Unless, <laughs> if you want a reference, I'm okay. just saying. So the book of Job, Satan goes to God and says, "Hey, let me test out your most faithful, most faithful servant." He's like, "Here." Here's Job. Do everything you want to him. Satan goes and fucks up everything in Job's life. God allows it. And then the end. It's (laughs) it's 300,000 words worth of nothing. That's just, yeah, an exaggeration, but still. It is like one of the worst books of the Bible. Oh, it's it's, it's, it's rough. Terrible. But it, it, uh, it follows pretty good with, you know, <laughs> God letting just demons run wild on Earth for <laughs> 2,000 years. <laughs> yeah. Do whatever they want. I was, yeah. I was trying to find the best correlation. Oh. I was like, look at Joe. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah it, definitely. It follows. It because follows. I'm, I'm not saying justification. <laughs> I'm saying explanation. So it's that whole, you know, God works in a mysterious way. Is that mysterious way be... Uh, Being uh, fuck people? No! Exactly. Yeah, it's just... You know, Mysterious oh. ways is just another word of saying fuck people. So, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that was the whole thing with Job was, oh, he only worships you because everything's great. Make everything terrible and he'll renounce you. And he doesn't. So it's like, oh, look, he loved me the whole time. I'm like, you just wrecked his life. <laughs> like, totally. He's got boils and stuff. 
<laughs> and his his wife and children and sheep and cows and they all die. Uh, they're all gone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they all die. Yeah, or famine or something like that. I mean, he's basically reduced to laying on the freaking ground, covered in boils, and then, with Satan going, "Renounce God! Renounce and then God!" He also swallowed by a whale at some point. That's, that's Jonah. 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 That's yeah, right. That's Jonah. <laughs> Who also goes through a tribulation <laughs> because he's just like God's like, hey, do the same one. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, you get swallowed by well. <laughs> once you once you come around to my way of thinking, so <laughs> let me let me know when you're ready. Yeah, let me know when you're yeah. ready. We'll we'll put you back on tour. And oddly enough, he does it all before he gets a digested or b suffocates. Hmm. Yeah. Mysterious way. It's, it's a it's a magic god way. Right. Magic god way. Of yeah. course. Okay. So I I hear there's this really cool show called Supernatural. Yes. And yes. Thank um, you. Save me from this. The the family business Bible study will be back next week. Oh it will not. Uh, so all right, guys. Well, we just got a few minutes left. Is there anything non bible that you wanted to cover before we break for this week? I just want to circle back to that question being going to be asked a lot because, again, this was the season that they decided, let's go Judeo-Christian. Yep. Right. It's true. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like, I don't know if it was like allegedly said or actually said about the Ten Commandments, but he's like, I've got thousands of years of publicity. Why wouldn't I do it? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know... <laughs> So, that's a wonderful way to look at it. Yeah, exactly. So that's why he did the Ten Commandments is because he had thousands of years worth of publicity. Okay, I forget where we go. All right, guys. Well, we want to thank you for joining us, and we invite you to come back next week when we will be discussing the continuation of this episode, which will be episode four entitled Metamorphosis. So until then, carry on. Jerk. Bitch. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.